Like 1989 Rob Lowe is hot enough to be a Sofia Vergara. Or uh, Henry Cavill now. I will, that guy's been my man crush for a few years. Nobody's beaten him yet. Guys, Joe Maganello now. No, he's such a, he's just, like I said, he's a handsome guy, but he's not, he's not her level. Especially considering how long she has managed to stay attractive. Oh, Jason Statham. Jason Momoa. Mike Furlong. Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and ignoring anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Modern Family. Modern Family went 250 episodes over 11 seasons on ABC. Today we're talking about episode one, which was called Pilot, originally airing September 23rd, 2009. But to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me, as always, all the boys, Gordo, Ferg, Joe, and Nick. What's going on, guys? Yellow. Hi. We're Look back. at the baby with those cream puffs. <laughs> <laughs> back at full strength, guys. How's everyone doing? I'm back. I'm well rested. Than ever. I'm good. It's a lie. I'm exhausted, actually. I'm not well rested right now at all. I got thrown into regular life from vacation way too quickly. How dare you, sir? Yeah. I'm in the midst of well, just this heat wave. Uh, for those of you listening who aren't from our general area, Boston is in the midst of like the longest heat wave. I, I haven't looked specifically, but I think it may be recorded history. It's most of the country right now, actually. The Northeast is getting it the worst, though. I was going to say, it's definitely not just here. But I can't think of any time where we've had this many... 90 plus degree days within like a month span ever don't worry it's gonna be 70 something tomorrow it's funny but yeah i mean every every night the forecast is oh it's gonna be 88 tomorrow and then it's 97 oh it's gonna be 84 tomorrow 97 it's like what the fuck how do you not predict this i think we've really figured out now that like meteorology is a giant scam where they they just roll dice yeah how dare you all right you don't you don't put that on al caprillion all right hi pressure (laughs) <laughs> uh guys so um modern family very popular show i assume everyone's seen it at least once right or, or are you guys all constant watchers yeah. i seen no. that whole thing i mean i've seen it like i binged this show probably i don't know six five six years ago like i i binged it up to whatever point it was at at the time but I haven't seen it since. Like, I just stopped watching it for some reason. So I'm way behind on it. All the newer seasons are really good, too. It's worth finishing out. This is the, the was the last sitcom that I watched weekly all the way through. Like, from start to finish. It's so tough in the world we live in now to have to wait a week to watch, like, a new episode of something. We're just so not used to it as much anymore. This feels like one of the last shows, too, to have, like, the 22 episode season you know what i mean like that they've gone away from that yeah. so much where like a show on hulu or netflix now can be like it's like oh they did 10 seasons and they did 17 episodes or whatever right like nobody does it like this anymore you really have to write a lot to get a show to go 250 half hours whatever it is you know what i mean and to give them credit too this is a show that and, and i want to talk about it as we get more in, into it but they're not using 
like a typical sitcom set. This is all pretty much built uh, like no, uh, it's all real life, really. It, everything's filmed on location places. So yeah, it's like real houses, real malls, real parks. Yeah. So real it's cars. not the same as when you're just, you know, in the standard sitcom where it's all a, a studio set up like a house and you have a few different sets. It's, you know, you have to pre-plan everywhere you're going when it's out and about and in zone. And so doing the longer season is a lot more work to just get all that stuff planned out. This show does a good job, too, because they introduce three different family. I mean, they're all the same family, but three different units of families with kids, with all these different lives in the 24 minute episode or whatever, and even include a boyfriend, like a non family member comes in that, you know, is going to be a character and in a way that you, you get to know all the characters pretty well too. Yeah. You don't leave the episode being like, who are these people? This was the toughest part of this episode for me because I don't know because I've seen the show. I was obviously more familiar with the characters, so I didn't really have to pay too much attention to how they were introduced and how they were in this episode. I do feel like Maybe there is too many characters in this is my only, but I can't, I honestly can't step back enough and say, oh yeah, no, it was good. It was bad. I've already seen it. So I can't, I don't have a good uh, test on that one yet. I would say that they did it in a smart way, like introducing you to all of these characters, like in little chunks, like, cause you don't just meet like them all, all at once. You meet them and then you follow them for a little bit, get an idea of their dynamic. Then you immediately go to another unit get their dynamic, get their characters, and then jump to the other one and then see the big picture. And then put them all together at the end, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, because there's different storylines for each family, you know, and we will start getting into it in a moment, but the fact that I think they do it that way and they separate them does give you time to, every time you're on, say, Jay's family, you're locked into that world. Every time you're with Mitchell, you're locked into that world. When you're with Claire, you're in that world. So it's, you know, you're locked into those few at a time and you're not just seeing, you're not being bombarded with 10 people on the screen at once. It's not like Friends where you were bombarded with all of them at once. My thing is one of our early episodes, one of our really early episodes, news radio, I felt they were just throwing people at you one at a time. Like really that show fast. really did not do a good job of getting you the characters in a, in a way that you could understand them. As my, and especially where the characters are so good and rich later on, like they could have done a better job of maybe easing up on the... You know what this show did kind of point out for me, though, is the difference between shows that were built for streaming and not, whereas this was obviously built for, you know, a weekly release. A show that was built for streaming cliffhangs you every episode because they want you to keep watching. They right. like, they want the binge. Where this show, like every every episode gets button. Obviously, there are exceptions. Like there are like... They want you to come in next week, obviously, but they button up every episode like it has the the beginning, the middle and the end. And like they closed that book, basically. Um, and it's interesting to see, like when you see shows that released, you know, full seasons at a time and stuff like that, the way they're they're done differently compared to a show like this. This is syndication, right? Where like you could pick up an episode anywhere. Right. And you can just watch it and enjoy it. The first episodes I ever saw of this show were completely middle random episodes because they used to play after wrestling. It's like wrestling would be over. We'd be hanging out for a little bit. And then a couple episodes of this would come on and we'd just watch it and be like, this is funny. We'll watch the whole thing someday yeah. when it's all somewhere to stream. And then Chris Lee Knows Best came on and then it was time to go to bed. <laughs> it's like the mama's house of reality TV. If we're being honest, by the way. It's one of those Chris Lee's Chris Lee knows best has been on for a good amount of years now. Actually, my mom fucking loves that show so much. My mom does too. 
I've never watched more than two minutes of it. I, I can't handle any of those. If people. I walk in and she's like watching that show, she'll like call me into the room to show me like, look, look how the grandma's dressed. <laughs> um, but uh, I love your happy birthday to your mom, by the way. Oh yeah. My mom's birthday is coming up. Actually, by the time the show's released, it'll already have happened, but happy birthday, mom. Happy birthday, Tony. It's me, Ferg. Happy birthday, Tony. <laughs> happy birthday, Tony. Happy, bir- happy birthday, Tony. I was going to say, before we get in there, uh, anybody else feel like this is like kind of last of the really good sitcoms? It's always tough to say because you always feel that way and then something comes along and is new and revolutionary. And This is also a little comforting, too, because this is right at peak documentary style sitcom. Like it was like this and Parks and Rec and The Office were all happening yeah. like consecutively. And this was like a style that I think everyone just like really grew to accept and that there's not a lot of this anymore. Yeah. What we do in the shadows and like that, the co- that um, supernatural cop show, there's a few of them left, but. It's actually a trend I'm glad has died down because I think they did overdo it. Oh, for sure they did. Yeah. I thought you meant Ghosted. I was like, Ghosted wasn't documentary no. style, which you can check in uh, in the archives if you want to go back and hear us talk about a supernatural cop show that you probably didn't know existed starring Adam Scott and Craig Robinson. So go check that out. No, I was going to say, this just feels big. Maybe it's because of the people that are in it. And mainly it's like Ed O'Neill, who's like bring i don't know it just feels like a bigger show he brings star power to it it is it is a big show you're not wrong so i guess my point is is that like a show like the big bang theory that i'm sure we'll do soon morphed into this kind of juggernaut whereas this came in hot and just stayed hot it's whole i think ed o'neill does have the has the most to do with that he hadn't been in much since married with children but everybody always knew who he was um, he'd popped up in movies here and there, obviously, but to have him like kind of spearhead a new show was a big deal. So it that definitely helped it. Actually, Phil is what got me watching it, and I, at that point, I only knew him from um, Dawn of the Dead. From Dawn of the Dead, <laughs> yeah, Dawn of the Dead, which we all I remember. We all came down when we went to go see that. We were in senior. Well, at least I know the three of us did. I don't think you. I don't think Gordon and Nick were there, but it was like senior year, and a bunch of us wanted to go see it. So we just like went down to the office and we're like. Yeah, we're fucking going to the movies. <laughs> we're like, uh, okay. It's <laughs> like 20 of us just like, well, I don't know. Dawn of the Dead came out. I don't give a shit. And that's why we're so smart now, because we got such a great thing. Rames was like, fuck y'all. <laughs> that's the only time I've actually seen Phil play an asshole. <laughs> I still stand by. I think Phil should play Gomez Adams. I think he would be the perfect Gomez Adams in a remake. Maybe. I'd have to think about it. I'd have to hear his, his accent. He just looks so perfect for the role. Yeah, put a little pencil mustache on him, and he's he's good to go. Well, let's let's meet these characters properly and actually talk about this episode. <laughs> so the first scene we're in like the the Dunphy house, and it's like the scene where they're in the kitchen, and Claire's calling them down for breakfast. The kids they have three kids, and there's kind of a lot of chaos. And this is when we're first seeing to like it's films as you guys mentioned before, like kind of documentary style because it cuts to like just the couple doing an interview like on any like modern reality show. It has the names of the characters like written over it, like they're being interviewed. And I, I, I am curious because I'll admit I've watched like my share of the show, but I'm not a, a weekly viewer. How much like is it acknowledged as the show goes on? I know it's always shot never. that way, but it never does as far as I know. Yeah, There's no like payoff to the fact that it's a documentary. Right. I think they learned because this ended after The Office, and 
I like season nine of The Office, but I think one of the things that people don't like about that episode or that series is that season rather is that once it was like, oh, Brian, the sound guy. And now we how know meta it got. Yeah. yeah, Then it became less fun to watch. And I think that this show is smart enough just to be like, I think people get that they're filming this for something, but it doesn't matter. We don't have to like throw a whole bunch of stuff that PBS is airing it or whatever, you know? And uh, one thing. So I don't know if you guys knew this. I was reading up like the little trivias and stuff about the episode. So Claire, who is uh, Julie Bowen, who you guys would know from Happy, Happy Gilmore. Gilmore. Happy Gilmore and Joe Somebody starring uh, Tim Allen and somebody we'll be seeing very soon, the bad Belushi. <laughs> uh, so, but the thing was, by the way, I did not put two and two together that she was the same girl from Happy Gilmore. I didn't either until I watched Happy Gilmore very, like, far after the fact. Who in Happy Gilmore? The, the love main, interest. The main girl. She's the main girl girlfriend. interest. The one who, like, works for the... Yeah, she doesn't stand out as that, because she does look a little different. Like, she's obviously 20 years younger. I believe you guys, but I'm going to Google that. I am with Ferg on this one. I said this from the first day I found I watched this episode, uh, this show and found out that it was her, that Julie Bowen was the same woman from Happy Gilmore. I was like, wow, I don't know what happened because she was attractive in that movie, but she is way more attractive. It's it's the hair. Yeah. We talked about, we talked about that last she week. She has terrible hair in Happy Gilmore. It's also, um, I don't know if they ran at this, I don't know if they ran at the same time or not, but she was also in like one of the last seasons of Weeds. Um, I've never seen which Weeds. was pretty popular. Weeds at the is time. great. More importantly, she reunites with Adam Sandler to do Hubie Halloween. <laughs> oh yeah. <sighs> Can we do a bonus episode on Hubie Halloween? Did anybody see Hubie Halloween? Yep, I have. I have vowed. I've watched like it will be my new Halloween tradition. I will watch it every year. It is a good movie. It's better than it should have been. Oh, all I said was my Halloween tradition will always be Ernest Kid Stupid. Genuine meak. Meak. <laughs> I just looked up a picture of Claire in Happy Gilmore, and I don't believe that that's the same person. Well, <laughs> it, it is. Well, this is an easy one to solve there, Gordo. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> she just looks different. Well, yeah. There was a good amount of time that passed. Now she's a MILF. I hate that term so much. It feels dirty every time, right? I don't like when people say that. I mean, it's supposed to be dirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, mean, I guess that's... Dirty. The F is pretty uh, dirty. Uh, one thing about her, too, is... So I meant to say this earlier. Did you guys realize in the filming of the pilot, she was eight and a half months pregnant? And they shot nope. around it the whole time? I did not. I no. That's no, good shooting. Yeah. That's crazy. She doesn't wear it in her face at all, then. No. Which is wild. And, um, yeah, so, like, even in this first episode where she's calling everyone down for breakfast, they have, like, the box of cereal is covering her stomach. Oh, they're doing, like, the blocking. And she's in front of the fridge a bunch, too. Yep, they do a lot of that this whole episode. Which, I don't know, I mean, so if you're already eight and a half months for the pilot, what do you just film a couple episodes, take a quick maternity leave to... That's crazy. They... Well, they usually film the pilot and then take a break anyways. Yeah, usually there's, like, a few months between. This, Yeah, that's true. This isn't like Netflix. They didn't order a season. They might have just legit shot the pilot after they filmed it. They're not at the point of no return. She could have easily been replaced, so they must have really wanted her. Yeah, it's surprising that she was able to, like, hold the job and they weren't too, like, we don't need it. There's 80,000 people applying for this job. Well, she's great in this but her and phil have such good chemistry and i feel like it'd be hard to deny Makes that it, right yeah. like the pilot they probably watched it and were like just give her the four months or whatever my thing with her though is maybe it's just me is she almost too attractive for phil though no no so. no i'm with you but i'm gonna give you this he's mildly successful he's fairly attractive but he's funny never discount no funny. no no yeah, no okay the reason why she's with phil is because 
her dad hated Phil, and that was her rebelling, but she got pregnant. Well, hold on, we're moving. We're moving right, ahead. They, they explain that later on, but just to go from pilot episode. I don't see them as a couple and think this doesn't make sense. It doesn't bother me or anything. It's just It was just a thought I had. It was like, she is insanely attractive, and he's just kind of like this well, aloof. He's got a big old heart. I know. I love Phil. I don't but... think he's an unattractive man, though. No. I don't think it looks weird. He looks like Gomez Adams. Everyone's going to like Gomez Adams. <laughs> it, it's not a yeah. King of Queens situation where you go, huh? <laughs> again, be funny. It makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, again, King of Queens, huh? That's what I'm saying. King of Queens, he's funny. His character on the oh, show, on. he's no, like stuck a in big, the goofy, lovable of, guy. Of needing to hate Kevin James. There's a reason that show is successful, and it was because of him. I love Kevin James. I don't know why anybody... Are you against Kevin James, Jay? I don't hate Kevin James. I think that Kevin James can credit most of his career for the fact that Chris Farley passed away, and he's gotten so many jobs from Adam Sandler that would have been Chris Farley. Why is he in Grown Ups? Because Chris Farley's dead. Okay, I don't think it's that cut and dry. Chris Farley wouldn't have been in King of Queens. Imagine Paul Blart with Chris Farley. That makes it a funny movie. Uh, Paul Blart Part 1 is very funny. Paul Blart Part 2 is terrible, though. You could replace any shitty movie ever made's main character with Chris Farley, and it gets better, though. No, but it's very clear, like, when they did Grown Ups and stuff, that he is filling the void that Chris Farley left when they get the old gang back together. And it's like, oh, look, it's the whole uh, cast from the mid-90s SNL and Kevin James. I don't know. You've got a weird thing here. If Kevin James is listening, if former wrestler Kevin James is listening, please let it be known that everybody is a fan except for Jay. I don't hate the guy. Was Ray Romano a part of that group, too? No. No. I don't think so. I, him and Kevin James, I think, but only because of the King, King of Queens and Raymond. Like. Eleven Queens! <laughs> we haven't gotten to do that in so long. But you're just you're just saying that because he was a fat guy and got replaced by a fat guy. It's yeah, like saying that's exactly John, what I'm saying. It's like saying when John Candy died, that's why uh, Farley became famous. Like, it's, there's no correlation. You can be funny and heavyset and not be just the new funny heavyset guy. Yeah, but he's legit filling a void in that same group. But we'll have that. I'm sure we'll do a King of Queens episode. We actually meant to do one like a year ago. Now I really can't wait until we do either Mike and Molly or Jay Loves Abishola or whatever that show's called. <laughs> oh, no. That's what really I should have said. Oh, no, no, no. Mike Loves Abishola. That's what's coming next. Hold on. It's not It's not coming. We literally made a bunch of picks. It's not coming next. So don't get too excited if you guys are listening. All you Abishola fans. Before before there's going to be a four-hour episode, if we get a little bit back into the show, because um, in the scene, too, while they're doing the whole breakfast thing, we see all the kids kind of running in and out, first of which is Haley, who, like, the there's a whole situation with her skirt being too small, and Claire's having issues with it, but then she, you know, she goes to Phil to say something about it, and Phil's kind of aloof, he's not paying attention. It's like, oh, it looks great, honey. Um, we're learning a, a, a lot about this family just kind of through the chaos of this opening scene. Yeah, it's controlled chaos, basically. And Haley Dunphy, her previous work before this, she was Howard Stern's daughter in Private Parts, which gives us an out-of-nowhere way to have to go WNBC, <laughs> which I didn't think we'd get to do on the Modern Family episode. We always find ways to sneak in all our little inside jokes that have developed over the last you know, year and change. Uh, yeah, to go back to the whole like commentary thing too, there was a little bit where like Claire was talking about how she was like out of control growing up and she had sex with a semi-pro golfer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she gained all this weight for having free subway for life. <laughs> Talk about a hole in one. <laughs> to, to go back to the whole commentary talking head type thing that they do. Uh, Claire's talking about how out of control she was growing up and kind of how now her main objective is to, you know, Make sure that her kids don't make the same mistakes she did. 
She says, like, if Haley never wakes up on a beach in Florida half naked, that she's done her job. And I love when Phil cuts and goes, our job. <laughs> she's like, right. I've done our job. She just immediately agrees with it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, but she's countering him because he's saying, oh, it's not your job. It's our job. It's parents. And then she's going, no, I've done our job. I've done it alone. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is uh, the scene, too, gives me one of the reasons I think Phil's so funny in this show, which is it's almost like a Seinfeld type thing. It's that when he gets worked up, his voice just gradually raises, which I think is so yeah. fucking funny. And he's like, where's the baby oil? Like, he just goes up a register and it's so hard not to laugh at. It's actually really surprising to me that you don't see what's his name? Ty Bure- Burrell Burrell in anything else, because I think he's hysterical. I think he was locked into this for so long. And he actually is one of those yeah. guys who just he does a lot of his own stuff that he finds of interest that he was on Hot Ones once. And- he was in the Incredible Hulk movie. Was he like a scientist in it? Maybe. No, he was the one that uh, the Hulk's girlfriend was with while he was gone. Oh, so he's the adulterer that Mrs. No, Hulk was with. That was Eric Ban- uh the Eric Banner one? No, not the Eric Banner one, that Norton one. Oh, okay, okay. Because confusingly, there were two Incredible Hulk movies very close to each other. No, there was Hulk, and then there was the Incredible Hulk, and neither of them were incredible. I was going to say, wasn't there also sequels to that? The Eric Norton one was actually really good. So we go to the next, like, family, essentially. And then now we're seeing, we're at a soccer match. Wait, 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 wait. You glossed over what I think is one of the funniest parts of this whole episode, though, real quick, which is the son gets his head stuck in the banister. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. There was a lot happening. I didn't get into, like, the specific. But the great joke of it is, is that when Phil asks where the baby oil is, she very confidently tries to remind him that it's in the side bed table nightstand and then catches herself and starts being quiet about it, which is, like, in the first minute of this show, you get a good idea of where this is going. I think it's a great joke. No, that was really good. I, that's uh, that's my mistake for glancing past it. From there, we get to the next scene, and this is like basically this whole episode is, is a tale of three families. And so we're there first, and now we're at the soccer match. And this is when we first meet Jay and Gloria, Jay, Ed O'Neill, Gloria, Sophia Vergara. And I guess before we're talking about unlikely couples, when you see them, and this is more Nick. It bothered you to see Ty Burrell with. Julie Bowen, but seeing Ed O'Neill and Sophia Vergara makes sense to you. The money gap was bigger. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it, he's just a Ty Burrell is just a it, it, Phil's just a successful real estate agent. They have a modest house. You know what I mean? Jay is like loaded, so that made sense. We don't know that in this episode. That's a good point, actually. I guess at this point you don't know that. Yeah, you don't get that in this episode. This one was tough for me. I'm telling you, separating the rest from the first is was very difficult on this one. So, but yeah, hindsight, I guess that one is a little more ridiculous. This is a lot of this episode in general. Not that there isn't stuff going on, but this is an episode that's very dialogue heavy. It's a lot of conversation. Who could you put Sofia Vergara with that you could say, okay, they're equal? You know what I mean? She's so ridiculous. Her actual attractive. husband, Stud Muffin, uh, Joe Maganello. Who's that? Who's that? You don't know who you know, Joe from, is? You know he's famous from that Pee Wee movie? Yeah, he's the one who in the new Pee Wee movie, Pee Wee was heading into the city to go to his birthday. Oh, yeah. I've locked that entire movie out of my head. I'm sorry. That was not a fun experience for me. He's also like the douche in the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Um, I can't remember what his name was in that movie. Yeah, I've drawn a blank. And now he's like famous for just being this like big, tough guy who loves playing Dungeons and Dragons. And he's like a big sponsor for Liquid Death Water. All right. He's, you know, he's not an ugly guy. But he's not Sofia Vergara level. I'm just going to say it. I think so. They're, they're not supposed to be on the same level. Cause that, that's the difference between Phil and, uh, what's her name? Claire. Well, I think Jay's just saying in real life, though, like who actually, or Nick is saying in real life, like who's actually a hot enough what? guy. What? This dude? This dude. <laughs> 
Bro, like how no. our resident Google guy is so slow at Google. <laughs> We're like moving on. Gorda's still going for it. No, but what I'm saying is that's part of the plot is that he's so much older than her and they shouldn't be together. Right. Where... I mean, and that gets touched on basically immediately. Like 1989 Rob Lowe is hot enough to be a Sofia Vergara. Or uh, Henry Cavill now. I will, that guy's been my man crush for a few years. Nobody's beaten him yet. Beat him yet. Guys, Joe Maganello now. No, he's such a, he's just, like I said, he's a handsome guy, but he's not, he's not her level. Especially considering how long she has managed to stay attractive. Oh, Jason Statham. Jason Momoa. Mike Furlong. (laughs) 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 All right, moving on. We figured that out. Ferg, I'm rooting for you. So this is, um, so we're at the soccer match and we see the two of them and they're both watching who we find out is Manny, who's just her child. This is a child that she had before the two of them got together. Yeah, Jay's stepchild. Manny is forever the only character on the show I don't like. I hate him from the first episode to the last. Oh, well, good thing we're only talking about the first though. So you can just talk about how you hate him in this one episode. So he's playing soccer and you see his mom, Gloria, cheering him on in, in a very fiery, passionate way. You have, like, Ed O'Neill just kind of sitting in the lawn chair, half paying attention. He doesn't, like, really want to be there so much. And during all of her... Been there. Yeah. During all of her, like, uh, ranting during the game, one of the other moms kind of, like, gives her, like, a little gaff about it, and she tells her off, and this other guy kind of, like, another dad at the, like, game is... I essentially just kind of use that as his into for conversation. I start hitting on her with his ugly bedazzled Ed Hardy hat. Yeah. <laughs> and he's saying how he always wanted to tell her off himself and he introduces himself. Sees that O'Neill and is like, oh, this must be your dad. And when he goes to correct him, he goes to like stand up and he's like, uh, he can't get out of the chair because of how old he is. No, 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 no. To be fair, I'm giving Ed O'Neill all the credit in the world in this one. That chair is basically a sleeping bag. He is basically on the ground. I've got <laughs> yeah. 40 years less age than Ed O'Neill and I would have had a problem getting out of that chair. Also, fuck that guy because she introduces herself to him as uh, Gloria Pritchard. And clearly, if she wasn't married, her last name wouldn't be Pritchard. Well, no, I mean, you can change names or not change names. Yeah. Could Come be, on. You know, well, I mean, if we're going to break it down, there's a chance that she could have had a, like, a white father or just names change over time or, you know, whatever. But in any event, yeah, she does announce herself by her married name. But yeah, that, that scene was basically just to show you that these two are a couple and that she has a child. That's all you're really establishing right there. You established that um, Manny has a crush on that girl that rides by, and that's yeah, why I don't know he if that, misses oh, a kick. Yeah, because yeah, uh, he got distracted by her. And then the other mother goes, "Take, can you take this kid out? And that's what sets off Gloria right. to go after the other mother. That's also where she explains that she's from a small town in Colombia that has the highest rate of, and that she can't remember the word in English, and Antonio just goes, murders, which <laughs> is so fucking great. <laughs> I like how she, and she like humbly says murder when she like, she just couldn't think of the like English word for it, but it wasn't like an embarrassing thing. She was almost proud of the fact. Yeah, she's proud of it. Yay. And after that, we get to the third family for the first time, and this is, we're on a airplane, and we see Mitchell holding a baby. So. He's on the plane, and a couple of the people on the plane with him are going, oh, your child's so cute, and talking about it. And the guy next to him is like, oh, your, you know, your wife must be you know, so proud or whatever. And this is when Cameron enters, and Cameron is Mitchell's husband. And Cameron's a, a bigger guy, and he's like scooting through, and he's like, oh, sorry, and he's trying to get to the seat. Daddy needs his snacks, and... Now everyone knows, you know, the two of them are a couple and it cuts to the commentary 
with those two, like the same um, documentary style commentary that the other two couples have had. And they're explaining their backstory a little bit that they've been together for about five years now and they had always wanted a baby and they didn't want to ask any of their lesbian friends to surrogate. So they went to the Philippines, right? And that's, um, they adopted a baby there. They don't want them to be surrogates because lesbians are already super angry. Can you imagine them pregnant? That, yeah, that was their explanation. There's some interesting jokes and things in this that I don't think you could maybe say now. Like, oh, there were yeah. some things that kind of surprised me. They're allowed as gay characters. To oh, no, say, no, they can yeah. say it. But I mean, even later on, where it's like, the bitch shot me. Where you're like, oh, I'm surprised. Like, I just don't think certain little things like that. I, I think yeah. stuff like that. Great. It, I think it it's be really okay. good writing. When it's like siblings. I think that's fine. I don't, yeah, I don't think that was too tough of a line because it didn't even flag me that much when I heard it. Yeah, with some of this, you act like TV now is all Puritans. I know you can't say everything, but it's like, you, you can say bitch. Oh, no, I just mean, like, this doesn't seem like what would be on, like, a CBS-type sitcom now. Like, this would be on a sitcom on, like, FX or something, and they would say that. I just feel like this is, they get a little darker. I don't know. I haven't seen it have a show in a while, so I need to check back <laughs> in and see. They say, like, all sorts of bad stuff on TV shows now. It depends on the network, and yeah, some like to push the boundaries. Yeah, I guess it depends on the network and the time slot or whatever. I know USA keeps playing some like foul mouth stuff. USA don't count cable. Oh, okay. we're talking about like broadcast networks. Cameron has a has, in this whole episode, he wears a few different ones, and then later on, he does it every episode. It's just his uniform. He's one of those guys who buys those shirts where it's like a patterned shirt, but then the inside and the collar are a different pattern, so that when you roll up the cuffs, you have a different pattern on. Those shirts are fucking stupid. They make me so angry. And if you wear those and you're listening out there, fuck you. Those shirts nope, are so nope, stupid. Nope, nope, nope. If you wear nope. those, that's fine. Joe dresses like an idiot. That's fine. Don't don't take style advice from Joe. <laughs> don't take fashion advice from Joe. Hey, I wear very nice button-ups every day, and they all have the same color inside as they do on the outside. If your button-down doesn't have armpit holes, then you know what? You, you don't. There's no armpit holes in the shirt. Yeah. Yeah, they're terrible pit stains. It's a thousand degrees out. We've gone over this. Joe's currently wearing a t-shirt that the only reason it doesn't look yellow is because he's wearing a giant yellow button on it to uh, contrast the fact that it's not bright white. Yeah, this shirt has not been white for years. Yeah, so. I also noticed there was a mustard stain on it earlier, so you know. There you go. go so if you fine. want more style advice from Joe with his mustard stain t-shirt, by all means. Yeah, but look, when I rolled in the sleeve, it's the same color on the inside. I just saw Fern check his shirt too. (laughs) Did you forget if that black t-shirt was I was wearing my uh, S1E1 shirt. (laughs) Uh, So from their little interview, we get back to them on the plane. And now Mitchell's getting a little like paranoid about the people around him or he's getting upset. He's essentially in his brain. Everyone was fawning over the child until they saw that he was a gay man. And now all of a sudden they're looking away and trying to ignore it. So he's saying to Cameron that, like, I'm going to do this speech, whatever this speech is. We don't know. And then as they're talking, some lady walks by and sees him holding the baby. And she goes, oh, honey, look at those babies with the cream puffs. And then Mitchell takes it as that the woman's calling them cream puffs. So then he gets up and he starts this whole speech about, you know, how love is love and, you know, goes on. And Cameron has to go, wait, the baby's eating a cream puff. And when he realizes that kind of just apologizes and sits down and kind of the the scene buttons with camera going um we'd like to pay for everyone's headsets <laughs> on this flight very funny joke very funny setup baby holding the cream puffs super funny yeah not toddler friendly food probably not that's a very very little like just born baby oh it's not that little 
Uh, she's not cream puff eating age. Oh, she's definitely not cream puff eating age, but. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm going to start using that as like a gauge. Be like, like Anno Domino. Like, is this post cream puff or pre cream puff? I like this scene, though, because out of everyone we've met, you get the you get Mitchell's personality more than anyone else on the show. You get how uptight he is. You get how the fact that it's the speech means it's something he says yeah, often. Yeah, I feel with like kind of like the least amount of lines really at this point. Not yeah. by a lot, but you f- I feel like you're not getting a ton of him, but you are seeing his character right away. I like too. They're halfway between a trip from Vietnam back to the U.S., so there's like a good likelihood that the plane ride they're on is going to be like six hours long. So you've just like made uncomfortable enemies with all these people, and you have to sit in a tube. A flight from Vietnam to the U.S. is a lot longer than six hours. No, Cam, Cam even says Cam says we have to be on the flight uh, with these people for the next five hours. Oh, okay, I didn't hear him say that, but yeah, they were all. Everyone on the plane was speaking English and looked like they were Americans, so I just assumed that was like that leg of it, like New York to california or something maybe it's their stopover could have been hawaii i, know. I mean hawaii is also like five hours to la i don't know I, I don't like to go ahead too much uh because i keep getting on you for doing it but berg do they ever touch on where specifically they live i don't think it happens in this episode does it it's la but it's never talked about in this episode right i don't think in this episode no okay um and to go back before we move on the whole idea of them paying for everybody's headsets on the plane i was thinking First, even though those things are pretty cheap, how much that would cost times the couple hundred people on the plane. And I wouldn't even want them. Those things are terrible. I've never used airplane headsets because most people just have headphones with them nowadays. But are they just like headphones that plug into your phone or they plug into like the seat and then you usually get, like, like an ox, but they're the cheapest of cheap. They're the ones that you get for like five dollars at like the at 7-Eleven. Or they're the kind that you buy if you break your headphones in the middle of a day. And, and you, you just need have something to just like, just yeah. to, yeah, just to ride out the day. Yeah. yeah, just to get home. What a world we live in now where we will spend money on something that's total garbage just to get through the day, not having to listen to other people. <laughs> just so funny. It's like, now I can't. I need to drown out the assholes. You know, I did something similar the other day. I was just driving around running errands and like my phone was getting low, but the normal cord in my car to charge my phone I had taken out when we traveled a couple weeks ago. I never put back in my car and my phone was getting so close to like dying that I'm like, nope. And I, I pulled into a store and bought a cord just so I could give it a little, like under the possible risk that my phone was dead for 10 minutes. I did the same thing recently. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse than your phone dying now because it's the only way you can block out the noise of the world, right? It's like the one exit out to it. That said though, I make it an, uh, I, I don't leave the house very often these days, but working from home or whatever, but I make it an active point that like, I won't go on my phone, like in line someplace because I feel like people are just so disconnected now where it's like, you'll be in line at Starbucks or something and no one's even paying attention. Everyone's just standing, staring straight down at their phone. And like, I'm terrified of some sort of terrorist situation happening. I don't think I'm Superman or I can do anything, but at least I can dive out the window if I see it coming. Like everybody else who's staring, playing fucking candy crush is getting shot right in the head. And the irony is who looks like the terrorist in the situation? Joe, who's nervously looking around while everyone else is looking <laughs> yeah, yeah. like <laughs> And mumbling to myself, I'm not getting shot. I'm not getting shot. <laughs> the cops are coming so quick. You're not going to get me. You're not going to get me. You think you're going to get me? Uh-uh. I'm not looking at my phone. I'm looking no, around. No, everybody's going to be hiding in this Starbucks, and then you're just going to hear the squeak of Joe's water bottle opening, and he gets shot <laughs> first. <laughs> They're going to think it's him. He's got a gun. He's all nervous and just gets spared by a moose. <laughs> I love in this situation, too, I'm that jittery and nervous, and I'm like, extra large coffee, please. Go back to decaf. I mean, I probably should at this point. So the next scene, we're at the Phil and Claire's house again. 
and this is when the son we never got into all the kids names but this is luke yeah luke's head is stuck in the in the banister still and while they're trying to deal with that you have um haley who's the oldest of the three so it's two daughters let me so haley's the oldest right and then alex is the middle child i assume yeah and then luke's the youngest okay one thing of note here they you see that they're using the vaseline or baby oil that was in their room it's jarred i guarantee you at some point they were having sex things got a little dry she put her hand back in after touching all okay, over frank okay. <laughs> touched on herself again put her hand back in the jar and now there is all sorts of sex from their parents juice all over the show is right modern now. family all right <laughs> we live in a modern world things happen it's a modern thing and i'm not this is no sex or kink shaming use all the lube in the world you want i'm just saying fingers touch genitals from his parents and then went back into that jar and now we're both on his head and the banister i acknowledge that they've already established that this was the jar that would be up in their room and they insinuated why but i don't know if i buy into your theory of the second scoop I could see her putting her hand in once and kneading it, but the idea of them being like, that wasn't enough and going in for a second scoop, I don't know. Sometimes things get dry. What if they're having a how long How dry do you think drinking? Claire is? Or how long do you think Phil goes? You have to remember, all of Joe's celebrity crushes are 80 years old. I do like older <laughs> women. <laughs> hey, look. Uh, I'll double dip for a room Clanahan all day long. Oh, God. He's dead. You might not. You need. You might need a triple dip if you do it now. <laughs> I don't mean currently, but if she was back. And now a message from our sponsors. Hi everyone. My name is Megan, and I'm Steve, and together we host the Stop Ruining My Childhood podcast. A sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical, always humorous look back at pop culture. Join us as we rewatch cartoons, movies, and live-action TV of the '80s and '90s, and ask the question: Does this hold up, or did I just ruin my childhood? Each week, we talk about our childhood memories and dig into the history of everything we watch, sharing fun facts about how things were made and how they were received at the time. More importantly, we always start our show with a nostalgic snack review, which is really our favorite part. Episodes drop every Thursday on Podbean, Apple, Google, Spotify, Audible, YouTube, really wherever you get your podcasts. So like, subscribe, and follow. And revisit your favorite childhood memories with us. All the links to listen are on our website, stopruiningmychildhood.com. So it, during this whole chaos thing with the banister, this is also when, I don't know, Haley seems to use this as a, use the chaos to slip in some news, but she's having a guy come over, uh, and this is like the first time she's having a boy over the house. And Claire's not very uh, happy with this idea right, right away, because uh, she's like a senior, and she's a little bit younger, and just the idea of having the guy over. And Luke's kind of like insinuating they're going to be kissing, and, um, and then like all that uh, back and forth. Uh, Phil kind of gets into the how he he's gonna grab the camcorder to like document the first thing, which is enough to make her run off. She she hates uh she hates all that, and it cuts to the, another side commentary, which is my favorite line of this whole episode comes in this because this is Phil saying how he's the cool dad, and you know that's my thing. Said I'm hip, I surf the web, I text, lol, laugh out loud, omg, oh my god, wtf, why the face. <laughs> when he said why the face i nearly spit take because i just didn't see it coming he's so good at this 
I thought you were talking about the high school musical part. Oh, yeah, he's dancing in the Letterman That's jacket. That's really funny too. But the the why the face? I just it was it's just so fucking stupid. I didn't see it coming. I think that slipped by me. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that. And but then it does. And from that point, he mentions um, that he knows all the dance routines, high school musical, and it, it has like a cutaway scene of him like performing in the living room, you know, in front of uh, his kids. <laughs> the kids are all just miserable. <laughs> If he was real cool, he'd have been dancing to the best musical of all time, Grease 2. Stop. R.I.P. Olivia Newton-John. Olivia Newton-John, um, at the time of this recording, we just found out yesterday of the passing of Olivia Newton-John, and Joe is one of the weird minorities who prefers Grease 2 to Grease 1. Reproduction. Where does the pollen go? Wow. <laughs> listen. Modern Family. It, hold on. I need to say this. I need to get this out of the way real quick. I like, I think Grease 2 is not a bad movie, but it is no Grease 1. And here is the big thing that Grease 2 does wrong and the reason that it can never be Grease 1. Grease 2 uses songs that are not time appropriate in the way that Grease 1 only uses songs that are fitting of that era. Grease 2 hybrids and they do a lot of songs that are supposed to be from that era. And then they have songs like Cool Rider, which is a good song in its own right, but really belongs in the 80s, not in the time of the movie supposed to be set in. I'll give you that. I will give you that they do dance around in the timeline music-wise. And that is a glaring problem that they do in that, in that movie. That, we can only talk about Grease 2 for so much, but I did need to get that off my chest because that's something that always bothers me. Save it for when we do the Pink Ladies show. Wait, was there a Pink Ladies show? I forgot that happened. Yeah, recently too, right? Did it even, did it come out? No, it's not out yet. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think it came out yet. Will that be a sitcom? Like, I feel like they're do- that stuff ends up being like a drama. Like, I really want to see the League of Their Own TV show that's coming out, but that's going to be like an hour-long episode drama comedy. I don't, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember if they put any teasers out for it. I, I really can't recall. Now we get back to the household, and th- this is when Alex got shot by Luke with a, what was it, a BB gun? It's a BB gun, I think. Yeah, yeah. it's like a pellet yeah. gun. Yeah, a little pellet gun. Wasn't sure specifically what it was. It didn't look quite like a BB gun, but whatever it was, apparently hurt. And basically, the resolve to this is that now Phil has to shoot Luke because Luke has to learn a lesson. And there's like this whole scene where they're all going over like scheduling and when they can get it done. <laughs> they're, they're arranging on the calendar when to shoot their child. This subplot is the funniest thing <laughs> yeah. in the world to me. Because <laughs> he's got a soccer game. Sorry, but it's time. on the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. She's literally just writing shoot Luke on the calendar. <laughs> But it reminds me of your brother used to have one of those guns, and he used to shoot you with it, and you'd go after him, and he'd shoot you more. You just kind of <laughs> lift your leg, like, uh, uh, and you'd chase him through the house while him shooting backwards at you. I almost they legitimately hurt. like shot his eye out by accident once, though, because like I'm I sh- I had it, and I was like shooting at him from in the house while he was in the yard, and like he heard the gun shoot, and because I was so far away, I had time to turn around and like hit him right in the face. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Be careful when you're playing with these things um, to, to all, the, all of you listening. They just make me nervous now. I don't even want to shoot them because I'm afraid it's going to ricochet off something and like, you know, or cause damage that I have to pay for. I just, it's not fun anymore. Shoot your eye out, kid. That's a huge fear and glasses do not solve that. From this thing we get to, it's like after the soccer match, we're back to Jay and Gloria and Manny. And basically it's like Manny saying he's, he's done with soccer, he doesn't want to play anymore. And in Gloria's saying, you know, listen, if you just weren't focused on that girl and you were paying attention to the game, you would have been doing better. And he's just, he's very fixated on this girl and he wants to 
say something to her. He, he wants to go find her at the mall where she works and profess his love, right? And he says that he needs to like get his what? His like puffy shirt. I have never had this much secondhand cringe like in my life. Manny is supposed to be cringy. That's the thing. That's yeah, that's what makes I it so him. funny. So I guess he's doing his job, but I still hate him. I will say though, I'm pro this girl because she's 15 and she's got a job at the mall. We all had jobs when we were super young, and I feel like not everybody does that anymore. And I'm like, good for you. Go get ofness. I was a caterer and I hated it. <laughs> oh yeah, all those jobs are just terrible, but at least, you know. I also feel like it's hugely important to you becoming a better person as an adult to work the worst kind of job ever when you're a teenager. Because you just become a better person. Uh, it injects you into the real world. Yeah, you get it, and then you're, like, not a shithead to people who, like, you know, give you food or serve you anything or at a retail shop or whatever. Um, I also, like, during that scene that while he's going over that he wants to, like, go visit her at the mall and, like, profess his love, essentially. He yells at his mom to stop the car, and he runs out, and, like, you don't know what he's doing at first, and you just see um, Jay at O'Neill. He's like looking, he's like, oh, he's picking flowers. <laughs> he's like so disgusted by him. Yeah. And you get like the cutaway commentary of Glory and Jay again. And Glory's just explaining that, you know, her son's very passionate, like his father, her first husband. He starts talking about how all they used to ever do was fight and make love, fight and make love. <laughs> she said four times. And you see Jay just like looking over, like, okay. Um. <laughs> yeah, his comment to this is. I'm hearing this for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> He's so casual about it and so bummed out. One time they one time they fell out the window and he goes, which one were you doing? <laughs> yeah. They fought sexed out a window. <laughs> How are you supposed to reply in that moment? Like, that's obviously, when you get with someone, right, you, you, you ask about their past a little bit, but you don't want the gory details. There's just certain things, like, you never need to know or want to know. I think the smart move is to, when you meet somebody, shake hands, like spit in both your hands and then shake them and be like, virgin, you virgin. And then just never bring it up again. Nothing good can ever come from that. And it's totally unnecessary. Oh, I've been in those situations too. I mean, there's, there, I guess there's a part of me that like will ask it questions. I don't really want to know the answer to. Yeah. You got to stop that. bud. but then there's like a point where, you know, I've been with people who volunteer information that i obviously do not want to know and it's like that's a bad move too i don't need to know any of this can you just just secret time that i was just thinking of is it chappelle show where they're doing the real sex thing <laughs> where they're like what's the craziest thing that ever happened to you where they're like on the street and he like gets in a fight and breaks up with his girlfriend it's like craziest thing i ever did was have sex with the whole gangbang over here <laughs> like that's you don't need to know that shit at all our lives started when we met yep that's how you gotta do it after that, we're back at the, you know, with the third family, essentially. So we're back with Mitchell and Cameron, and they're, they're walking into the house, and they're a little, well, Mitchell more, because Mitchell's more the neurotic one. He's a little nervous about the baby. He hasn't really slept on the plane. She hasn't slept since. And the thought is maybe this is the first time that she's away from women and needs the comfort of a woman's body to be able to fall asleep, and then essentially thinks the right move is to now put the baby <laughs> up against... Cam, because Cam's a, a bigger guy, so maybe his breasts will ease the child's nerves. <laughs> I love the cutaway scene. Well, yeah, because now we have the commentary again, and Cameron's basically explaining that he gained weight and how common it is to gain weight during pregnancy. Mind you, not only is, is he the guy, and, and there is sympathy weight that's gained by guys a lot during pregnancies. They're thousands of miles away. Yeah, he, was not, they, he wasn't around for the pregnancy portion of all of this. 
they came in and adopted a, a baby that's already alive. The question I have about this is they've got a, he ends up, so the video of him eating, he's like sleep eating and he looks like a raccoon on night I was going to say the same exact <laughs> thing, Joe. It's like catching a raccoon. But why do they have a night vision camera focused on the shelves in their pantry? Like, just in case somebody breaks into the house and just steals their food, they can give the video to the cops? Like, what weird placement? It's the whole unspoken documentary thing, right? So, I guess in theory, you can use the idea that the documentary crew placed it there, because maybe they've spotted him before, or they've been tipped off about it, or even after. It's it's shot out of sequence, so maybe they, they find out about it, and now they're going to place a camera to catch it. But yeah, him, like, just... <laughs> in the in the cabinet, I can't remember what he was eating specifically, but it, it was a very I think funny, it was like, like cereal shot. Yeah, not even when it cuts back during that commentary before. I think it was like I can't remember at what point the cutscene was, but uh, he, when he's talking about gaining weight, Mitchell's like, "I'm not saying anything." And Cameron's like, "You're saying everything," just by his like disapproved <laughs> look of uh, why he's gained weight. They have such good chemistry together. Yeah, they really do. I mean, again, that's why they probably waited. Like, they were like, look, not only do all of these couples have amazing chemistry with each other, but then when you get everybody in a room, everybody has chemistry. Yeah, it still works somehow. Like, it's the most perfect casting of an entire group. We were like, this just works so well. They do. Yeah, they did such a good job casting, especially um, with Phil's dad. Do you know who who's, uh, Phil's dad is, Joe? It's R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah. Yep. Red Willard. Hey, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> To go back to Mitchell and Cameron, if, if I remember correctly, and I, like I said, my knowledge of the show isn't as good as the rest of you guys. I've seen very little. Am I correct in that um, the actor who plays Mitchell is gay in real life and then Cameron is not? Yes. Yep. yep. Okay. And the actor who plays Cameron, he's actually one of the, he's a part owner of the Kansas City Royals. Oh, no kidding. Which is always the baseball park I've really liked and would like to go see. Um, actually where I work, we just started flying to Kansas city from Boston direct just started oh, really? like a month ago or so. Yeah. You guys want to go to Kansas city? Yes. Eric Stone <laughs> street, by the way, we can't even, we, we can't get you to come to Boston. You think you, we, we're going to get you to go to Kansas city. If our, if we're taking a trip for the weekend to Kansas city to go to a cool baseball park and hang out, I'd come down to that. Or I might fly to Boston from, I might fly from here to Boston just because it's easier, but then we'll go together. Eric Stone Street, by the way, the the guy who plays Cameron, he um he was one of the, like the final people in contention to play Kevin on The Office. Yeah, that's right. Oh, speaking of which, uh, Kevin from The Office is uh Eric Baumgarten. His chili cookbook comes out this month, and you can oh, pre-order nice. it. I saw the video of it. I saw that, and it's like 170 chili recipes. Like, how many chili recipes could there actually be? It's crazy. You just keep changing the meat. Chicken chili. Yeah, it's like you think it was like chicken chili. Chili with different peppers. Like, I don't know. In this one, I use three tablespoons of cumin. <laughs> Mrs. Pac-Man wears a bow. So we get back to the scene in Mitchell and Cam's house where they're... Cam wants to walk Mitchell into the baby's nursery room that I guess had been worked on a little bit while they were gone. And when they walk in... It looks really nice. It, you know, there's this kind of like ta-da moment. But then Mitchell uh, immediately notices the mural that was painted over the crib of the two of them as angels. They're like touching fingers like in the David and the God. Yes. The Adam yeah. and God painting. Like, I died. It was fine. It was so awkward, the idea of having something like that painted on the wall of yourself. in your, over your child's room. bed. <laughs> what I like the most about it is that that was somebody's job. Like some, they had to hire an artist to come in and be like, 
hey, these two actors paint this mural. Yeah, it's one of their friends because they I get it. Longinus. Oh, no, I mean, like in real life, they had to get somebody to paint that. Oh, yeah, like the set person. Yeah, like they had to like get somebody on set who was good at drawing that sort of stuff to come in and paint that, which must have just been like a fun assignment. But also the name Longinus is the funniest name of all time. Well, because Mitchell also gets on him about like, we have too many friends. Like we need friends with like less gay names. Is it Pepper, Andre, and Longinus? I think they mentioned. The funny, the, the funny thing is, you meet every single one of these characters later in the show. E- everything, everything happens like in this episode, like pays off, carries on like further into the show. Now, I, I know I'm breaking up the rule again, but I just like that they gave it. They they gave you the payoff later, and like, I, I I'm glad you said that because I didn't know Nathan Lee was on the show. Yeah, I think that's Pepper is Nathan Lee. That's and Pepper, I literally yep. have a note written down that. Like Eric Stone Street, I thought channeled a lot of Nathan Lane in the way he did the character of Cameron. So I think it makes a lot of sense that, to yeah. then put Nathan yeah. Lane. Yeah, because I was getting a lot of that just watching the episode. I thought there was a lot of that vibe in there. I can see like Nathan Lane seeing an episode of this and then reaching out and being like, "Either you give me royalties or you let me on the show." This is a bit egregious. It's funny because this character of Pepper is just fully his birdcage character back, yeah, only a little bit douchier, like. <laughs> And then um, we end up back at the, is it Dunphy? D-U-N-P-H. Dunphy. What, yeah. what is it? D-U-N-P-H. Dunphy. So Dunphy. Yeah. Dunphy. Like yeah. Dundee, only with a So now we're back at the Dunphy house, <laughs> and um, this is what Haley's guy friend at the door, right? And his name's Dylan, and he meets the parents, and you get this like little standoff with Phil trying to just kind of puff his, he's like, he's like, <laughs> he's like, let me meet this player. <laughs> what does he go? He's, it's Phil Dunphy, yo. Phil Dunphy, yo. And I'll say it's this and earlier on when, in one of his like uh, commentary moments, I definitely got a vibe that, you know, it's one of those ever going conversations and I don't think his name gets pulled up a lot. And it's funny because I just mentioned how Eric Stone Street auditioned to be in the office, but he is one of few people who I think could have taken over the Michael Scott role. Yeah, oh, he would have been played, great in it. Yeah, he yeah. plays this character very. It's the whole lack of self awareness. Is Bill's yeah. character in this to me watching it, and and I and I get to watch it a little fresher than you guys, um, because my lack of knowledge of the show. Bill to me is almost like the alternate universe that Michael Scott ended up with a wife and kids earlier in life, like a less lonely Michael Scott at an right. earlier yeah. age. Because just like his way of playing to the camera and his need for like showmanship and that self-awareness stuff, they're all they're very similar in that character type. And I guess because the characters are so similar and seeing how it's portrayed by Ty Burrell, I could easily see him in the office in that lead role playing this character similar to how he plays Phil. I can even see a scene in my head in the office during the dinner party when they're playing charades and Michael's like, my, 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 my turn, my, my turn. I can see Phil doing that as this character. Like, it totally, it totally fits for both. Does anybody read the paper? <laughs> yeah, we, we get uh, a talking head from him after that, too, where. So then Phil climbs the stairs because he wants to be taller than Dylan. He slips in the baby oil and eats shit down the stairs, which is a running gag on the show. Somebody always falls down the stairs. It's always him. And it's, it's always him, fix yeah. that step. Um, but yeah, so he slips in his own, his own juices and... No, then... it's not what that is. It's mm-hmm. baby oil. Sure. <laughs> then when he, Dylan's carrying him to the other room and he says, you're so strong, Holmes. <laughs> Just, he's keeping up the character and can't break you're it. so strong, Holmes. 
And then when Dylan places Phil on the couch, he's like, he's on his side. And he's, he keeps saying like, oh, that's great. If you could just get me on my back. But everyone walks away and he's like, just not aware. He can't move. So he just keeps <laughs> to himself now, just asking that someone just puts him on his back and he's going to be good. So then we cut back to uh, Manny and now they're in the mall and he's going to go give this poem to the girl to which Jay offers him $50 just to not give her the poem, which is, I think, very good parenting. And I love the, the justification, too, is like, he's like, Jay, I'm not 11 or whatever. I forget how old he is. He's like, what am I going to do with $50? And he goes, what are you going to do with a 16 year old? <laughs> <laughs> He still got it. That Ed O'Neill, star of cruising. Funniest dude. Ed O'Neill right now would be do exactly what I do. Like I I began like dying from embarrassment starting here. There's kind of a conversation between Jay and Gloria too about like the different philosophies, right? Because Jay's trying to protect them from embarrassment and Gloria who is the more like loving, supports her son and everything, a kind of is insinuating like let him fail, you know, like let him try or whatever. Not so much that like her her mindset is that he's going to fail, but it's more like the let him try on his own than just protecting him from it, which kind of seems like the reverse of what you would have expected from the characters. Well, I think it's more of a uh, like throw him into the river and see if he swims because she's not saying that it isn't going to be embarrassing, but but he's trying everything he can to get the ki- to get many not to get in a situation where he's going to be hurt or embarrassed. So like even though it seems like he's being kind of a dick by off- like throwing money. Oh, we skipped an important line from earlier. The uh, whole um, Gloria's whole saying that sounds better in Spanish. Well, no, yeah, I only I was just bring about it up because it, it, um, it no, it does come back. Come up, comes back later. Well, we didn't completely uh, gloss past it. It's, it's happening right in this moment. This oh, is, I yeah. thought it was in the car. No, 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 no. It happens here where she says, oh, "Like my bad, sorry." No, she says to him, "You know, he's your family now. You know, you need to be. Is it the wind or the wing? D or G? Which was it? Wind. I it's wind. I thought it was wind. D." Okay, so she tells him she has a very heavy accent. I'm doing the best I can. Yeah, it's 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 wind because the when he says it later, he, he says blowing on your neck or back. She tells him that essentially he needs to be the wind on his back, not the spit in his face. That's that's good. That's good advice. It's not. It's actually not that crazy because he doesn't understand what that means. He says, oh, that's something my mom always says. It's uh, it's gorgeous in Spanish, but. It makes sense. It's basically the wind's flying at you one way or the other, right? The spit in your face means the wind is blowing towards you as opposed to like behind you, which boosts you and pushes you forward. It makes sense. It's just... Yeah, it's the wind pushing you forward or you'll get stopped by something spitting in your face, basically. It is one of the classic things, though, where English is just such a dumb language sometimes because it is like this is such a trope in every show where like it's always like it sounds much nicer in... Italian. It sounds much nicer in Spanish. It sounds much nicer in French, right? It's like Goodfellas, right? It's like the whole scene with Joe Pesci's mom. Yeah, but if you say it in Russian, it just sounds angry. <laughs> well, that might be the way you say it, too. Any of our Russian listeners out there, if they'd like to translate that for us, I'd love to hear it. German tends to sound pretty angry. German can sound angry. Uh, French can sound angry. French can alternately either sound very, very, very sweet or very, very angry. But we love you all, no matter where yeah, you're Yeah, wherever from. you're listening from, in all countries. Th- there's this point where, after that conversation, is when Manny walks back and we find out that the girl, what's her name, Brenda, told him that she has a boyfriend, and whether or not we want to believe if that's true or not, but that's how she let him down. And he shows them, you know, I gave her my heart, and she gave me this picture of me. <laughs> as an old-time sheriff. It's like an old-time photo of him as, a, as like a sheriff with a mustache. <laughs> 
Which, like, we've all taken those pictures before. That means he was like, would you go on a date with me? And she was like, no, I have a boyfriend. But if you'd like to spend five minutes putting <laughs> this costume on and then posing, <laughs> and then five minutes taking this costume off, there's a lot of time investment here. I thought when I saw that picture... No, like, it was just a, it was a picture of him... Like a cartoon cowboy hat in front of him and a cartoon mustache. I saw the mustache like one of those was dress up ones. Oh, I, I couldn't tell. I thought it was like one of those caricatures that Could like, you even you, draw. you even see her booth. It's just like in front of a green screen, so it can take pictures in front of different stuff. Yeah, I saw the mustache was fake over his face. I couldn't tell if the rest of it was because it's a quick cutaway. I did think that that would make for a great shirt. Like I don't know what they would done for merchandise, but. Just the photo of like Sheriff Manny would be like a nice, like uh, simple shirt to do. I love it. I love after all that though. Gloria looks at it and thinks it's cute. <laughs> we could make that shirt and write S1E1 on it and just yeah. hope that we modify the image enough to not get sued. Yeah. Well, the tens of you who buy one, don't tell anybody. If we sell 10, I'd be pretty pumped actually. Manny's got deep pockets. Big, big Manny's coming for us. If you guys want an S1E1 shirt, DM us. Yeah, let us know. Ferg's got one on right now. Uh, we can put this on the YouTube or the yeah, Instagram. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's been an employee-only shirt basically. But um, we've toyed with the idea of doing some merchandise, but we we would like to gauge interest before we financially invest in things like that. So um, if there is an interest from you guys for shirts or anything promotional items that you think would be really cool, let stickers, us know about keychains, it. magnets, got them all. Bottle openers, those things we have. But yeah, if there's anything that you you would like to have, let us know and. You know, we'll entertain the idea. We just want to make sure there's a demand for it. S1E1 dental dams. I guess. Sure. If, if a lot of people want them, right? Sure. Dental dams? Ferg needs braces. <laughs> Ferg had braces. Moving forward. I like that uh, while we're still in the mall, there's this point where Jay's walking and he's like in a kind of a tracksuit. That's just how he's dressed anyways. And then the mall cop that's there thinks he's just one of the old mall walkers and that's got to be embarrassing. If you're going to walk, you have to go to the right a little bit. And he looks over and you just see like this line of senior citizens all dressed similar to him, like power walking through the mall. It's important, though, because it's it's right after they have the conversation about how like it's bothering him that the other guy thought that he was her father. Yeah, he felt old. He is dressed pretty old. He doesn't need to go wear a bunch of Ed Hardy gear, but he does look like. Yeah, because that's his response. He looks to it. As comfortable, as, though, too. As soon as he's told, thing. as soon as he's mistaken for a mall walker, he instantly walks into the store that's right next to there's a bunch of these stores in the mall now that like it's funny because it's meant to be like hip clothing but i can't say i often see people in the real world wearing stuff like that so i don't know no. how these stores stay open because i don't see a lot of people in these types of clothes people must wear it for like club nights and stuff right like it must be like going out clothes or something and i feel like oh, those just the world are... i'm i'm very much not involved in so i don't see it maybe yeah, that's right. the style of la also possible yeah it could be a regional thing i mean i just assume it's got to be just people are buying it because these places exist and they're just in places we don't go because we don't see them yeah that's why we all have belichick crossing the delaware <laughs> that's true to go back to the mall walker thing have you guys ever witnessed that in real life have you guys seen the old people mall walkers yeah when we skipped we skipped first period once and went to the mall and it was just like night of the living dead the the elderly took over they're just walking around like we i used go. to work at the mall and i i worked an early morning shift so like we would get there before the stores opened and set stuff up and you would see them every morning before the stores were open they just do laps around the mall for exercise and it's like a popular thing i wonder why that did become a thing like why the mall like why not it's just like a, a like good parks. amount of indoor space that you can walk through that's weather protected and right like it's it's air conditioned in the summer it's heated in the winter there's no ice there's no heat stroke risk i think it's just like 
and because they're going before the stores are open, it's like you're not you're not at risk of like breaking in anything because all the stores are gated shut. So it's just a way to find this big open yeah. area that's like weather safe that you yeah. can just roam through and it's not going to cause any damage. But some someone was the first. One old press was like, "Hey, probably yeah. walk the mall." Yeah, like somebody had to like petition the mall. Like somebody had to have the idea and then go to a mall to be like, "Would you get staff to come open the doors for us one Saturday a month or whatever?" You know. And then, like, uh, inevitably, the first store that'll open in the food court will be the Dunkin' Donuts, and then they will make about $20 total off 50 of these people, and they will sit there for the next five hours. Is that from experience, Jay? <laughs> sounded like an annoyed story. <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't even work in the food court or anything, but, you know, you see it all like your local Dunks and Honeydews and anywhere else. I don't know what regional coffee place a lot of you guys coffee have. Coffee shops but... in general. Coffee shops, I mean, coffee... I love coffee, obviously, but it's like, it's not an expensive thing, right? You go, you get a cup of coffee, you might get a refill, you might eat a snack, but people sitting there and work all day or sitting there computers loitering, all day. It promotes loitering, yeah. It's mainly just loitering, yeah. Like, yeah. and coffee shops know that, like, that's the beauty of a bar. Like, if you're not drinking, they'll tell you to leave. If you just keep drinking all day, they, they won't tell you to leave, right? Like, it's different. You either have the old people at, like, Dunkin' Donuts that are just sitting there talking for four hours while they're drinking their 99-cent cup of hot coffee. Or you have the guy who goes to Starbucks and buys whatever drink he's having and then plugs in his laptop and then works on his thesis for the next seven hours. So either way, you're not getting a lot of return on your investment for the people that are sitting there. Right. And I know people who work at Starbucks or have worked at Starbucks in the past, and they were basically told, like, unless somebody does something crazy disturbing, like Gordo used to work at a Starbucks, you can't kick anybody out either. So you can't be like, hey, you need to buy more coffee. Like, you go in there, you buy your cup of coffee, and they'll leave you alone. You don't even need to buy a coffee. You can just go in there and sit down. <laughs> no, 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 you can't. Um, unless you build up a rapport with the staff and you would have had to spend a lot of money, you can't just come in and, and just pop a squat down on those chairs and just start working. Like, you got to know the staff to let them have you do that. Like, you still got to buy something, even if it's a 99 cent coffee that you know they're going to get free refills on. I'd buy a cake pop. Ooh, cake pops. But I also feel like, too, buying the coffee, it's like, um, even just buying the $1 coffee, it's just making the effort. Like, buy the small hut coffee, even if you don't drink it. Take the lid off of it, keep it there, take a sip of once in a while. At least you're playing the game, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, exactly. it's, it's paying short money for your home, for it to have a private office, essentially. Like, in certain states in the South, like, I saw this in Memphis once when we were in Memphis. You go to a bar, they can serve beer and wine, but they can't serve hard liquor. But you're allowed to drink hard liquor in the bar if you bring it yourself. So, like, the custom is that you're supposed to buy, like, a couple cans of whatever from the bar as, like, we can't stop you from drinking this here because the laws are really strange. But, like, the game you play is that you buy three cans of Coke or whatever because you say you're having it as a mixer, whether or not you drink them. So you'd see people with, like, cans of unopened soda on the bar near them because they came to like hang out or go to a show or something, but they were just drinking a pint of whiskey they kept in their jacket. And that's like just the way it is. It's very strange. When you say they, you mean you? <laughs> no, I was just drinking beer because I was uh, playing a show and it was, I was in Memphis and I had no idea where I was. And it did not seem smart to be hip pocketing whiskey at that point. You're just roaming around the streets, yelling for Jerry Lawler, calling him a fraud, telling him that you're the real king of Memphis wrestling. No, but I did go for a walk, going to look for cool stuff like Jerry Lawler's the night we got there at like two in the morning. And then the next day I told somebody that I went for a walk near where we were staying. And they were like, oh, my God, they were like, you were in the scariest part of Memphis where people get shot all the time. And you went walking around alone at two in the morning. I was like, 
Is he really peaceful? I, I just picture Joe's getting mugged, and then Jerry the King Lawler shows up in his Ed Hardy like like King <laughs> shirt and like rescues him. Jerry Lawler bought a shirt at the store that Jay is going into in this episode, and then comes by, takes the strap down. <laughs> there's like there's some like serious shit going on. Meanwhile, Joe's just looking around, going, "Oh my god, I can't believe this is where Bill Dundee had his first hair match." <laughs> or Bill Dundee's wife got her head shaved. That's a great match. Less Dundee and more Dumphy. Right. That's a shirt. <laughs> Picture of Phil Dunphy and Bill Dundee. This is S1E1 says less Dundee, more Dunphy. Yes, All right, guys. Please. Yeah, we'd make a ton DM of us that if line. you like any of these options. So, uh, but yeah, back to the Dunphy house. Um, this is when we have the scene between Alex and her mom, and they're sitting in the kitchen while Claire, she's like making something. And essentially, this is when Haley has that kid Dylan up in a room, and She's asking Alex, like, hey, what are they doing up there? Like, oh, they're just laying in bed watching TV. And Claire's starting to, like, her mind's starting to go a little bit because she's a little nervous with the idea of, you know, the boy at the house. And Alex is trying to kind of egg her on a little bit. And she's like, hey, so, like, if Haley got pregnant, would we ever pretend she has mono for a few months and then, like, tell everyone the baby's yours after? And she keeps going on about it. Yeah. Some good button pushing. And she's like, you know... Talking about how, like, a senior at school was out for a while, and then, you know, all these situations. And it's funny because literally our episode last week. I was going to epi- say, didn't you guys talk about there was that? A last joke, week? There was yeah. a joke about that when, um, with Cheyenne, we did Reba last week. If you guys haven't listened to last week's episode, we covered Reba. And I'm the daughter Cheyenne. Father. The daughter Cheyenne gets pregnant, and her father makes the joke about her disappearing for nine months. And we talked about that for a little bit, and just. The odds of doing a completely different show the following week that has the back. same thing pop up, the same joke pop up, is the, the, the lottery pick odds of that happening are just so weird. I even said last week that joke is a trope because that's what like, so many people down there like self do. I would have never, like, the idea that this came up in this episode to me was crazy hearing it, especially knowing we just had this conversation. Yeah, it's, cra- it's a crazy coincidence, but it worked out. Perfectly for this. Yeah. And we cut to outside where it's now Phil is supposed to be shooting Luke finally. Like this is the shoot Luke day. And Luke comes out like multi-layered. Like he's wearing, you know, all the clothes this way. You know, when it hits him, he's not going to feel it much. And he's told he has to take his jacket off and, you know, take it like a man. (laughs) Why are you smiling? (laughs) Him asking Phil why he's smiling because he can't help but show the genuine joy that he's about to shoot his own child is so funny. And that everything that happens in the next 30 seconds, even though I've seen this show before, I couldn't believe how hard I was laughing Me too. again in real life at this. This was so funny. I didn't want to interrupt Jay. I was going to say this part made me laugh the hardest out of the whole thing. And it was just like, it wasn't even the funniest joke, but it's the most I laughed. And uh, yeah, because, well, well, it's weird because actually it does cut back inside before it goes back outside. So before we even get into it, like I do want to mention that when Claire and Alex are talking, because Alex is still trying to get her nervous about the idea of, you know, the other Haley getting pregnant. Claire says, like, you know, she'll be fine. Like, I know she's not going to make any trouble. Like, your sister reminds me a lot of me when I was, a, and then runs upstairs because Claire realizes she was not the most innocent child herself. So, um. Does she mention that she was watching Falcon Crest? Yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> the best weird uh, soap opera to bring up. And, uh, but yeah, so now we get back to the, the outside BB situation. And. He's, like, a little reluctant to do it, and then he it turns into the, you know, you learned your lesson, like, you were scared, like, that's all that needed to happen. 
So he's not going to shoot him. But then as he goes down and like drops his arm, he accidentally shoots his son in the arm. (laughs) Then all the screaming and everything starts. It gets everyone's attention and it just escalates so fucking well. He shoots Haley and then shoots himself. (laughs) (laughs) He shoots himself and just yells, why? What's wrong with this thing? Is it Dylan that gets shot? I thought Dylan Dylan gets shot. shot. Yeah, yeah, it was Dylan. (laughs) Which is like the you know brings back the joke of Haley brings home this boy and he's trying to be tough and then he ends up shooting him. That's why you don't mess with Phil Dunphy, yo. Yeah, Holmes. Holmes. <laughs> but yeah, during um, it's weird because it was cutting back and forth, so it, it it's tough to discuss properly because how many times it cut back and forth because she does Claire does go upstairs before Dylan gets shot. Right? It shows it's it's so much quick back and forth that it's tough to timeline she, exactly. She goes up, knocks on the door, and goes, "Haley, I have your laundry." And then she refuses to close the door when it's time when when she leaves. Yeah, that's when the Falcon Crest line popped up because yeah, when Billy's yeah. asking her like why she's up there, she's like she's like I've seen the show before, like lying in bed with a tall senior. One moment you're just friends watching Falcon Crest, and the next you're laying under the air hockey table with your bra in your pocket. And I was like, you talk about lines that I thought were a little far. I know that it's not that bad, but like the visual that comes along with that and thinking, I was like, wow, that's a little pushing the boundaries for uh you know prime time to come. Feels like it would be hard to put a bra in a pocket, too. Maybe she had big pockets. It was the 80s. Or maybe she had small tits. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's also possible. She All may right. have had smaller breasts, yes. She may have been. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, go with big pockets, if that's what you prefer. <laughs> Show me big pockets. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, Louis Anderson <laughs> reference. We Please made it. Cordos. Oh boy, that was so genuine. So now we get back to Mitchell and Cam's house again, but it starts with another like little commentary interview thing. And Mitchell's talking about how his dad isn't completely comfortable with this, as he says, but meaning his relationship with Cam and the fact that he's gay in general. And he says that like, despite the fact that like those two have been together for five years, whenever he's like walking to a room, he has to loudly announce himself before he walks in, like, just thinking that these two must be, like, hooking up at all times. And He, he doesn't just doesn't even want to see them kiss, though. Like, not even, like, sexually hooking up. Like, he doesn't even want to see them, like, a kiss, like, a pack, like, hey, you're home from work. Yeah, it's not like, it's not like he, he doesn't want to see the hardcore stuff, which I'm sure he doesn't, but he doesn't even want to see, like, the innocent stuff. I was going to say, in fairness, no parent wants to see their child involved in any hardcore stuff, but... But from what we're seeing, like, this scene in general is now everyone's going to Cameron Mitchell's house, and this is going to be the announcement that they adopted a child, which I guess they didn't even tell them they were going to do. So this is a really big moment for them. So Mitchell's afraid of his family. Yes. So Cameron goes in the back with the child to get her ready to present to everybody. And Mitchell's opening the doors for everyone. And I thought this was kind of interesting because, again, I don't know. I know you guys are too familiar with the show and not that I'm not already aware of it, but the way that the show is formatted up until this moment, there's, this would be the reveal that this is all one big family. There's nothing that happens in this episode to not make you think that this documentary is just about three completely different families. This is the first time it's ever crossed. That's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, you should know that the dad, because of the name Pritchard, Mitchell Pritchard, but I think that like you're not really you don't really pay attention to people's last names. You're just like, oh, this is Cam and Mitchell and Jay. Does, and yeah, I don't know if like does Mitchell ever say his last name at any point? No. And like the Dumfries, like they they have Dumfries have a different name. So 
that was to me the big reveal. And like, I caught on to that early on and I was like, I wonder if there are any moments where there's a blatant, there's no phone calls between them. There's no interjecting until this final scene. There was no reason to not think that this documentary yeah, is being filmed about three separate families. Don't they say in the beginning, doesn't Claire and Phil talk, talk about, about family going members, to but, uh, TV dinner or Cam? Don't they say something? Don't they allude they'll, to it? They'll talk about family things, but they never. there's never specific names and stuff that you would have caught it. Yeah, I can't think if they say anything like outwardly like blatant about it now. Don't they, don't they say it when they're doing the calendar part? Yeah. Oh, they might like. Oh, we have dinner at Uncle Cam's. Yeah, might that might say. be true. Yep. I'd have to. Yeah, I'll have to. I would double check. But um, I kind of like the way it was set up because I thought it was more of a reveal at that moment because that's 18 minutes into the episode. This is, I think, a 23 minute episode, and 18 minutes in is the first time we're crossing lines with these three families. Yeah, but that's a good point. Uh, this is the first time that you see that they all have the same dynamic too. Because this part, this next part, fucking killed me. Well, yeah, so... <laughs> We're also coming up, too, where we had mentioned before how some jokes don't, like, age, or you couldn't do it. There is a joke coming up here that I literally <laughs> was like, holy shit. It gets no-sold, too, which actually makes it worse. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... Is it the, the pot sticker joke? No, no. We'll get to it, though. It's not the pot sticker joke. That's what I was thinking of, yeah. Oh, Oh, maybe it's it, this one is way more subtle. We get to it. I'll say it. It's but you know up. what I you know what I do like is when they're all coming in the house. Jay actually does the thing that uh he, yeah they mentioned. Yeah, he, he like knocks it, like puts his head through. Yeah, coming in. <laughs> yeah, and like so now that the whole family's there, and remember that Cameron's in the back with the child, so it's just Nathan talking to his sister. I, and I don't even know if it's distinctly mentioned. I'm trying to remember, like, if there's any dialogue that lets you know specifically that Jay is Mitchell and Claire's father. Is it mentioned that they're the two? Like, now we know they're all family. So you assume that that's, you know, that Jay is Mitchell's father. But do we know? I if, wasn't looking for it because I know the show so yeah, well. Yeah, so I, I don't know if it was assumed. established if Jay, we don't know if Jay is Phil or Claire's father. I, I don't know if it gets established in here or not. It might have. And I missed it. This is a tough one. This may have been the first time ever on this show in however many episodes, 60-something episodes, where only one person hadn't seen the show and then pulled such interesting perspective from it because they weren't tainted by the rest of yeah, it. Yeah, like, we needed that because <laughs> we've apparently... We didn't even realize how close we were to this show otherwise. It is, it's tough with all, with all these shows. It really is tough to remove yourself. Well, this is the first big show we've done that isn't nostalgic. So this is a huge show... And we've done huge shows, but they've been always been old. And this and this just ended, just just ended recently. But yeah, so as they're talking about the trip, um, they're asking Mitchell about his trip to the what was it the Philippines, right? Yep. Yeah. No, so, Vietnam. No, Vietnam. Vietnam. Was it Vietnam. I'm sorry. Well, that's where that's where Lily came from. Maybe maybe they said they were just going to the Philippines. I can't remember. I, I I'm sorry. So, but let's assume Vietnam. Because yeah, Lily is Vietnamese. Yeah. So they're asking about the trip in general. And they don't really know why he was there. We, they thought just for pleasure. And the conversation kind of starts spinning. And because he hasn't revealed it yet. And they're talking and they think that the relationship with Cameron's gotten rocky. And that, that he broke up. And that that was what he's bringing them there to talk about. And then Jay starts saying stuff about him. And, you know, we've talked about this before. Like, just in any event, if someone breaks up, especially if they've been around forever, don't chime in with your two cents about it. Because you got to give that some serious time. You got to make sure they don't return because even decades later, they might return. So you're going to be real careful with those. We've talked about this on the podcast before for people who have 
gotten back together with other people. Yeah, it's uh, it's happened quite a few times. And so but it's a nice moment, though, just because, you know, the way Jay's pa- painted, but it is him being a dad and being trying to be there for his son. Yeah, he's supporting like, oh, his son you know, to a degree. So him talking shit about him is trying to make him feel better. <laughs> like I was going to say to Ferg's comment, too, speaking of how Jay's painted, he is wearing a fantastic, like, all over multicolored print hoodie here and a bedazzled hat because he actually bought clothes from the like hip store in the mall. The hoodie wasn't that crazy when the other like the jacket and hat were removed. The hoodie itself wasn't that weird, but it, the hat really added to it. Yeah, I thought it was like one of those big like winter puffy. He jackets. had that on too, and the hoodie was under. He was very yeah, the hoodie weird. was under because he's like wearing the hoodie around the house after because that stays on. He's wearing all that in L.A. He must be so hot like us right now. Yeah, like all of us dying. I'm pretty sure Nick is just going to keel over before we finish this episode. There was this talk um, during this conversation also, like uh, the idea of them having a baby gets brought up. Again, they don't know that they actually went and adopted one. But now that they think that he's broken up from Cameron, they're telling him, you know, good thing you didn't get a baby. There are a lot of work. You know, if you're bored, just get a dog. Claire is chiming in saying, you know, there are a lot of work. And they keep going on and on about, you know, good thing you didn't get a kid. Well, what Jay, what Jay says to him, he says, um, you don't get a kid to save a relationship. And he, yes. he goes, and, and if I must say, Cam was a little um, dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the line. Yeah. Just so many feet and so many mouths in this whole scene. And on the heels of all of this happening is when, like, you get, like, a music cue. Well, he goes, Cam, Cam is not dramatic. And that's yeah. when the cue That's <laughs> such good editing. And then we get, like, the song from ah, the <laughs> And then Cameron Simba. steps out holding Lily, Lily, right? Is that the daughter? Lily, yeah, Lily. Yes. Yep. Holding Lily while wearing a big robe. And then presents <laughs> presents her like Simba to the family with a spot. Like, I don't even know where the spot comes from. he holds her up yeah. and the light hits her, I <laughs> killed <Yeah>. me. <laughs> I'm like, what yeah. on earth is going on? But I, it was it was so eccentric and like wild perfectly timed too (laughs) and and it just like shows like cameron's like lack of awareness to like like how insane it is to do that like he's all about the performance that he's not even like aware of like this is such a bizarre thing to do to present the hey we adopted a child to like also wearing a kimono for no reason at all (laughs) (laughs) you didn't even mention either (laughs) it's true s1e1 kimono is coming soon because we've talked about it in the past few episodes, obviously it's not the same character right now, but the uh, the actress that they get to play Lily is like maybe one of the best very young child actors I've ever seen on TV. She's adorable and she's... That baby is not the same one that they get later. They replace I, That's what I just said, that. yeah. But I mean, like when they, when she, when they do like give her lines, um, like that age, like that's got to be a, an incredibly tough age to cast and they killed it because she, like you watched her grow up too, so... Good on them for that one. Yeah, because we see so many wooden TV shows where it's like, and this is the third son who just is background fodder. And by like (laughs) season seven, he's just like got an awkward mustache. He just like walks in for one episode and goes like, hey, (laughs) just leaves. We've "Eh, we've talked about it in plenty of episodes where it's just like, well, these are the ones we pick. So we got to ride it out. (laughs) We got to go with it. (laughs) Yeah, you're stuck. And like I said, unless you're Disney that has this weird uh, grasp on children and how they grow up, it seems to like that, you know, have a great batting average on that one shouldn't say disney with grasp on children question was this abc this is abc yes so it technically is disney it is disney oh uh, yeah, yeah good point yep it is well disney. that makes sense because both uh both the daughters are pretty successful and well-known actors still 
Yeah. <laughs> I want to get back into the dialogue real quick. Uh, while they're presenting the kid, uh, Mitchell wants Cameron to turn the music off. He's like, isn't this exciting? And then he's like, just turn it off. And he goes, I can't turn it off. This is who I am. <laughs> the music. <laughs> and uh, we actually do get like a nice little family moment at this point from Jay, because although he said, you know, I think you having a kid's a bad idea. He does get into the like, you know what? Like, I didn't write the book on fatherhood. He's like, I get things wrong all the time. I'm still screwing up. You know, like, right, Manny? And Manny's like, I just wrote a song about it in the car. But he says, like, you know what? He goes, of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Best retort to it. He's like, I'm not here to spit in your face. I'm here to blow at your back. <laughs> and they look at him confused. Like, it's supposed to sound better in Spanish. And then Gloria says it actually in Spanish. I'm like, oh, that was beautiful. It does sound nice. But he has like the whole thing about like, you know, we're a family and, you know, at the end of the day, we support you. And now she's part of the family, too. So I thought that is old school and like not PC as he is because, you know, you mentioned it earlier. He says she's one of us now. Let me see your little pot sticker. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Like, um, I thought that line was a little, a little crazy, but <laughs> yeah. I didn't know if it was just me. So I'm glad that you guys <laughs> see that, yeah. that. That to me seemed wild. But the other joke that happens right here, I thought was insane. And it's so subtle that I don't think any of you guys picked up on it. I don't think I did. Cause I'm trying to think about what you even, what were you referring to at the moment? Phil asks them what her name is and they say, Lily. And then he goes, isn't that going to be kind of hard for her to pronounce? And I then I don't get it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> It's an yeah. Asian joke that because the stereotype is that Asians, we would say, would say Riri, like they pronounce yes. their L's as R's. So giving her a name with two L's is going to be hard for her to pronounce. It's like a weird, subtle, racist joke. And he like yeah. looks at the camera, like realizes what he says. And I was just surprised that that joke got <laughs> yeah. on like a, as we just mentioned, a Disney show. You know, that's something I noticed too, is like, we talked about it. It's this weird, it's filmed as a documentary, but it's not addressed. But like, there are looks to cameras. Like they are aware of a, even though it's shot documentary style, you can shoot a documentary style and almost never acknowledge that this camera, but there are multiple looks to camera. Yeah, they're very self-aware. Claire especially. Claire makes certain faces of the camera, and it's like one of her best traits on the show is like, she has this physical comedy with her like looks she gives, mm. but, but she, she does it more than anyone. Haley had one earlier in the episode too that like was the first I noticed. Like, oh, okay, so they are acknowledging that they're being filmed. Yeah, they just never pay it off, which I, I'm glad they don't. Better off. I think, well, I guess it depends on the show. I thought this was weird because you got into a narration scene from Jay and, and you do eventually Every pay off. Every episode ends like that. Yeah. So, all right. Cause I was wondering, I was like, this seems a little out of place here because you have him doing narration, which doesn't happen throughout the episode, but it closes with him doing a little bit of narration. And he's, he's just, um, he's reading the poem that Manny wrote for Brenda. That's it's <laughs> like, it sounds nice what he's reading. Cause and I'll I'll read it real quick. It's we're from different worlds, yet we somehow fit together. Love is what binds us through far, uh, fair and stormy weather. I stand before you now with only one agenda: to let you know my heart is yours, Feldman, comma Brenda. And then he goes, I mean, <laughs> seriously, the last line is so good. <laughs> and uh, and then because I was like, why are they doing this weird serious narration at the time? Like when it first cuts to Ed O'Neill's voice as he's reading over. When they're showing the family, but then when they do reveal that it's him doing his like commentary for the documentary and he's just reading the, the poem that Manny wrote, it kind of, it made a lot more sense. But, uh, and you get this like little kind of closing scene that just kind of buttons everything. And it's just Phil and Luke on the trampoline, like playing trampoline basketball, just constant stuffing, and constant, like dunking on. Yeah. Him. Like Phil will not let his son win. And it's basically like, you know, 
there could be a day where he beats me, but even if he does, we'll probably play two out of three. And I think, that, again, this is a lot of, I'm like, Michael Scott got married and had kids earlier in life. That's that's what Phil's character is. Yeah, this is like the first episode of The Office, which is yeah. basketball and Michael being terrible at it. Well, the last episode when he has a family. That's true. It's Eventually a real, has uh, a family. Full yeah. circle. Catch you on the flippity flop. <laughs> <laughs> I usually make those. But yeah, that was, uh, that was the conclusion of the episode. So yeah. Again, it was um, this episode, this show in general, a little different than some of the other stuff we've covered. We did Parks and Rec, which is a little mockumentary, documentary type style shooting. But I thought this one was done in a, a much different way where uh, Parks and Rec, even though it's it's filmed, it, it's not like a, a typical sitcom set. It's definitely a lot of pre-made sets where this one feels more true documentary where everything's real life like a real home real mall. well no they're not in a real home they're on a set like it's definitely a soundstage yeah for the houses are you sure i think they're real houses nick it always felt like and because they explore these whole houses and pretty pretty but they've they've done plenty of like no i looked it up they they were they filmed on a soundstage in la Oh, and they were very good about how they film around it, too, because they're not filming in typical, like, easy angles that you could set up. They did film as if there were distractions within, like, the complex. What is interesting at. to note, though, is the creators of this show, Stephen Levitan and uh, Christopher Lloyd, not Doc, the other Christopher <gasps> Lloyd. Um, this is both, the Christopher Lloyd who wrote for The Critic. Right, yeah, The Critic, but he also, um, Stephen Levitan did uh, The Golden Girls, they both did Frasier. They both did me. Wings. Levitan did The Critic, like you said, Larry Sanders Show, Just Shoot Me, um, Yes, Dear, uh, a Basically bunch of other stuff ones. Stuff we've but, covered or will cover. Yeah, some of these we've covered if you want to go right. back, by the way. But the point, my point is, is none of these are the documentary style. So, like, they both kind of came into this without the experience of doing the documentary style show, and they still kind of killed it, which is impressive. Talent is talent, no matter how you do it. Yeah, I was going to say, once you have that kind of talent, it doesn't matter what you yeah, Those make. are impressive resumes and pretty decent pedigrees. And... Like with the critic, he got the work with the great John Lovitz. Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, but Jay, to your point um, about the way that this is shot, you know what this almost felt like? Um, a, a much more polished trailer park, boys. Like, if you consider the angles... No, 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 think about it. I don't it. get no, that one, but... So... The way that what Jay was saying about the way that it was shot, that it felt authentic. It felt like they were following. I see what you're saying. Yeah. In yeah. real time. I'm not saying content. Content, they are two worlds apart. I'm saying if you just objectively look at the way that it was shot. It actually feels like a documentary. Yeah. Exactly. Like Trailer Park Boys is about the only thing that comes close. And this is a well, a far better polished version of that just following a family i can see that trailer park boys feels like a documentary i will say we ha and we've covered trailer park boys if you want to go back and watch it that show if you were to, to tell me that a single shot of that first episode was a second or third take i would be shocked it's absolutely everything from that episode <laughs> had to be first takes only yeah yeah but um yeah i think we i mean we pretty much cover this in pretty good length so unless there's Anything else in regards to this specific episode or the show that you want to bring up? Like Again, I don't have as much back history with the show, but is there anything you guys want to say before we move on? Have at it. Let's rate it. All right, so nothing left to do now but the green light or cancel. I'm going to go in the reverse order I see you in today just to keep it nice and spicy. Nick, starting with you. Yeah, this is a green light. It just like exudes amusement. Like It's just constantly entertaining. 
Um, like I said at the beginning, it's tough to say whether or not there's too many characters because I, I knew them all already. But having discussed it, I don't think it's a problem. I think they did a really good job of introducing everyone. I kind of got the vibe of, for some reason, I the Judd Hirsch in Superior Donuts. Um, he was such like a, a bright light that you hadn't seen in a while. You really enjoyed him. And you get the same feeling with Ed O'Neill in this. So it was like fun to see him on top of the rest of the cast being entertaining also. The story is chaotic but manageable uh it's entertaining the whole way through i love all the characters and like right i mean i've seen this show for the most part and i really really wanted to keep watching the second episode and so i think this is going to be like one of my new like bedtime shows to just start running through again because it was it was just it was just a lot of fun and it's a big easy green light for me joe and side note before joe you start superior donuts again a show we covered Boy, do I wish that show lasted a lot longer, but go back and listen to that. And if you have the opportunity, go check out Superior Donuts. It was a phenomenal show. Joe, you're next. Sure. And I totally agree with you. Superior Donuts was so good and that deserved way more of a run than I got. Uh, yeah, I love this show. It the epitome of like catching lightning in a bottle when it comes to casting. The chemistry between everybody is so perfect. Everybody like you would never want to see this. I'm so glad that nobody got replaced like some shows do when some actors leave or decide to go away for college or anything. You know, in the whole run through, this is one of those shows too where I have seen it before that I for sure cried on the last episode. And it's one of those shows that I could tell when I first watched the first episode. What a loser. Hmm. that i would you know what i mean like you've just fall in love with these people and you want to follow from the first episode you want to keep go with them and see where their lives are going and it's crazy to think with shows like this especially with like kids and stuff that you do end up watching these weird story arcs of like an entire person growing up and it's a fake person and you care about them and that's so weird but that's how a show like this is it's a kind of a perfect modern sitcom that it's a huge green light for me and i will probably be re-binging it again a modern sitcom for a modern family. Gordo. I was going to say, Joe, um, what I had is, uh, number one, this is a green light. This is an easy green light. This is about as flawless of a victory as you can have for a sitcom. Like, if you think about it, casting, writing, acting, the way it's shot, camera work, the way that it looks, the way the story, like, it's flawless. It's about as perfect of a sitcom as you can make it as you can make period and i would say that once history kind of goes in front of bleh, once we get further on in time i think this will be regarded as one of the better sitcoms in television history that's just my opinion ferg well 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 looks like old fergie did it again that's not true last week you picked homeboys from outer space i always win but no, um, what can I say that hasn't been said? You know, it's the, the perfect ensemble cast. Craziest thing about it is with Ed O'Neill, the fact that I can watch that show and not see Al Bundy. I see Jay Pritchard. just shows how good of an actor he truly is. And he played such an iconic role, and yeah. now he's playing another iconic role. And there's only a handful of times that I can say that about other shows. They're the perfect casting. It's an ensemble cast where I wasn't overwhelmed meeting each of them in that first episode. And maybe, like Nick said, maybe it's because I'm so familiar with the show already, but I, I, even going back, I, I never felt overwhelmed meeting everyone. You got an idea of who each and every character is, so it's the perfect cast with great writing, great cinematography. It's, it's just everything about it is perfect. I, I love this show. 
like I said, and as Joe cried at the end, so did I. And I cried at the end of this episode too. <laughs> I got I got very moved. I got very moved by Jay embracing his his new grandchild and is instantly loving it. Like you know, they're not blood, but they are now. Like <laughs> deep, but green light by me. Go ahead, Jay. Yeah, I don't cry nearly as much as Ferg and Joe do. Um, Nobody cries nearly as much as Ferg and I do. <laughs> uh, I, I will say, um, I did enjoy this too. Um, again, I, I go into it with the freshest eyes, I think, out of the five of us, but it's not a show I'm completely unfamiliar with. I've seen like scattered episodes and stuff. I just never really sat and gave it a lot of attention, but it's a good show. I really like the dynamic of everyone. There, there wasn't a character. like I know, like Ferg, you said like you're not a big fan of Manny, but I thought everyone works in their roles on this. Um, I enjoyed it. I really did like the way that it was separated and then they all kind of came at the end. I thought it was a good way to introduce you to that many characters like we talked about earlier in a way that wasn't overwhelming. So you had three separate storylines that all just kind of met at the end of the episode and it was just a good way to digest it all at once uh, for a cast this big. It was a really smart way to approach it. And I don't know how much of the separation I'm sure shrinks down from episode two on, but, um, yeah, big fan. I thought it was really good. I would like to say I'll keep watching, but uh, I've said that about so many shows and I don't watch a lot of TV, but uh, I do intend to maybe give it a little bit of a shot when I have some spare time, if ever. But um, yeah, that's it, guys. Five out of five for Modern Family. I don't think it's a big surprise here. Uh, Really solid show. So congratulations to Modern Family. You live on for episode two. Um, That's all the time we have for this week. Guys, go to S1E1pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to everywhere we can subscribe to us where you can listen our social medias s1e1 pod on twitter and instagram that's probably the two that we're the most active on but find us anywhere please reach out to us give us a a message shoot um shoot whatever you want towards us we like hearing from you guys we do respond um give us your suggestions uh we're always open and listening to anything like that um but again guys thank you for everything we won't keep you much longer because it's been a long episode tune in again next week for another new episode thanks guys Good night. I think we got the best banister lube.